Hello, welcome to another episode of Talking About Rock. I'm Rob Edwards. Each week we bring you new rock interviews from around the globe. And remember, you can catch all our interviews wherever you get your podcasts and new episodes every weekend and at TalkAboutRock.com. On today's episode, we check in with the bass master, Mr. Billy Sheehan, taking a break. He's back home from the sold-out winery dog shows. As he gets ready for the Mr. Big Tour and another paw of the winery dogs, we're happy to have him back to catch up with us and to take a few questions from the texts and emails we received from our listeners over the last week or so. So stick around. We'll be right back with Billy Sheehan on Talking About Rock. Okay, let's welcome back to the show, Mr. Billy Sheehan. Hello, Billy. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks very much. I'm uh, home here in my uh, house in Nashville and well-rested after uh, 37 shows across the USA or the uh, the right half of the US, uh, USA so far. And uh, many more uh, shows to come everywhere. Yeah, you guys are just killing it. Looks like the new album, Three, is doing great. You know, it's number nine on the charts in Switzerland, over 900,000 streams. And, and you guys produce this without a, a major label, right? All on our own. We're, we're, we're in Rich's garage pressing the CDs. And the, no, <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I was okay. reading you guys created it in his home studio over there at Richie's home studio you put together. Yeah, home studios now, basically, you can do anything that you could do other than set up a huge drum kit. But Richie has a situation there with that. I could do it here at my home studio, but it'd be loud and pieces of drumstick flying everywhere so <laughs> we generally go to another studio to do drums right and then bring the drums recorded back here and then do the rest do that's the pretty bass common bass. now these days to do that i've done a lot of records like that but uh richie has a drum set up at his place so that made it real easy and we went there and uh, cranked it out wrote it and recorded it as we went it went really fast too uh that's a good sign for me generally if you're I, I remember some of the early days of mr big we had a couple songs that we worked on and worked on and worked on and rearranged and tried again and recorded and you know what let's just move on <laughs> yeah, just couldn't get them to gel right no they, you can't usually know no right away you know there's a possibility you can go back and revisit it later and maybe make something of it but uh i think it was a song by jonathan kane it was a good song he's a, a keyboard player in journey Good song, but it just was not fitting with what, what we were doing, and we finally yeah, didn't, didn't finally moved on. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, and but when I was the, reading, uh, this trio was originally suggested by Eddie Trunk, correct? He kind of got you guys in touch, or? Yeah, I knew Richie, worked with Richie every time he played in town in L.A. I'd get up and jam. We did uh, opened up for the Stones in uh, Japan for five shows. Uh, myself and Pat Torpy used to go and jam with him at our rehearsal. We planned on maybe doing something together, the three of us. Did you know? We knew we didn't have time to work out and everything like that. So when Mike Porto came to me, he said, "We got to let's start a band. Not no, enough side projects. Let's start right. an actual band. Right. Let's just get it going." Yeah, and uh, so you, you know any guitar players to sing? And I go, "Not offhand. Let me think about it." And I don't know why I didn't think of Richie. And then we're right. Eddie Trunk, and he said, "Richie Cotson." Right. He said, "Richie Cotson." Right. I could have had a V8, you know, I, I remember that. <laughs> right. So uh, we went to his house and um, Mike and I went there to visit him. And uh, 
we talked for about 10 or 15 minutes and Richie just said, well, let's go in a room. I got a set of drums and a bass amp. Let's go, let's, go, let's play, which I thought was great. That's probably the first, the quickest uh, uh, we went from talking to playing of any band ever in my life. So we went right in there and that day we had a couple of pieces that ended up on the very first record. Then we went a little bit uh, more and again, it went really quickly. So I see now after our third record that, 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 that how things come together fast for us, I think is an indication of a good kind of chemistry that a band either has or, or doesn't have. You can, you can figure out the greatest band in the world on paper, but when they right. get together, it just... Right. It's just right. I watch a lot of documentaries on bands, and some of them, yeah, they're in the studio, they're in separate parts of the studio. I was watching the one the other day on The Police, and, and they really had a tough time putting things together. I'm glad it really gels for you guys. You know, the last album, Hot Streak, in 2015, I mean, how tough was it to reconnect with uh, Richie and Mark to get the juices flowing again? It sounds like it was it was really quick. With tracks like you know Xanadu and Mad World, they really stand out to me. Yeah, they came together really quick, easily, and we and we had fun on this last tour. You know, we we're out on tour, having only three guys in the band is is, is it can often be a blessing because it's just less trouble, less less work, less uh, chaos, and we got a great crew and a fantastic bus and a great driver. We're playing in beautiful, decent venues with nice dressing rooms, so that makes those little things just make life easier makes life easier on the road for sure you yeah. guys are three such outstanding musicians it's it's like a three-ring circus of fire watching you guys perform you know <laughs> i've heard it put uh like that <laughs> or similar it's funny yeah so we uh we uh are on a little break now then we go to south america and mexico then we go do some european shows we have a whole bunch more shows in the usa coming Right now, the West Coast shows have been announced. And in case people don't understand, we don't, there's a lot of things that are booked but not confirmed. Yeah, they have to sometimes, because routing, you can't play in uh, 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 Boston and then San Diego, then Miami, and then Seattle, Washington. Right, you have to make the, the track just fit in other, correctly. Right. Otherwise, uh, it would, you would, you would, be paying to play because you wouldn't make enough money to pay for driver gas hotels meals uh crew salary everything like that so it has to be routed properly so we don't announce all the shows and people on the comments section get all upset and uh and actually quite angry sometimes you know why don't you play in my city well we we, we can't because your city didn't book us they didn't right Right, and we're going to get to that for sure. That's something yeah. I want to talk to you about. But we'll, we'll go more about that later. And so it's kind of like a homecoming for you between this and then going back to Mr. Big with uh, with both these bands, right? It's like really oh, yeah. homecoming with you. Yeah, uh, Mr. Big, we've been, we went out and did shows after Pat passed away, God rest his soul, uh, because we they were already booked. And we thought, well, let's let's just do them and see how it goes. And Matt started a great job. He's a great drummer, a great singer, but he's a tenor. We need an alto. I'm a tenor or tenor or baritone, or maybe baritone. <laughs> uh, and Paul is around the same range as, as myself, too. So we need that alto voice for the three-part harmony. And uh, Matt can sing great, but he just, just wasn't his range. So, uh, And prior to that, Pat was with us. He just wasn't playing drums because he couldn't do to the Parkinson's uh, right. uh the debilitation of, 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 of you just couldn't do it and so uh uh we we 
we went out with Matt and, and it was good, but we're looking at each other on stage and like, man, that's, I don't know. It's just not, you know, we, the guys are Mr. Big, we were really tight. And Pat was uh, my closest musical friend, I think, um, uh, that I've had in my, in my career. Uh, a very, very dear friend of mine. So uh, it was, it was tough. So we just let it lay for a few years. And right. then we had a few offers to play that we turned down. And then finally, a few authors came in with a, you know, uh, it might be time, but we, we're going to need a great drummer, not a good drummer, a great drummer. And uh, somebody that does kind of things that Pat did. He was a finesse, nuance, all these little things going on that you normally wouldn't even notice, but you notice when they're missing. Right. And so uh, Nick DeViglio from uh, Spock's Beard uh, is, uh, is going to take over the drum spot for this uh, farewell it's kind of a farewell tribute to Pat Torpy kind of tour. And right. uh, we thought uh, a lot of bands do a farewell tour and then they go back and do another farewell tour and another one. <laughs> right. So we said, let's really make it farewell. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so this tour is reading kicks off in Japan on July 20th. You guys already have dates in South Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia on August 14th. So you're going to be all over the place with that one. Yeah, that's part of the world is amazing. Some people, some people make the mistake to think of Southeast Asia and they think of Japan, where Japan is quite different from all those other places. Japan is an entity unto its own. Uh, Korea, a whole different thing. Philippines, a whole different thing. Singapore, a completely different thing. Indonesia, a completely different thing. So these, all these countries have their own language, culture, uh, uh, styles. Yeah. Things like that. But we early on with Mr. Big, we played a lot in Southeast Asia. And uh, we did a, a couple of things happen that really connected us to people there. Uh, we went to Indonesia, especially. We did a remake of uh, Wild World by Cat Stevens. And in America, when that came out on the radio, and it did well, it, it was a top 40 hit for us. Um, some stations were, you know, we do interviews and, well, you, you guys are doing a song by Cat Stevens. Isn't he a Muslim now? And aren't you worried that you're funding terrorism? And I think, well, hold on a second. We love the we're, song. We're we talking love... about music here. We're not talking I know. about But people were upset. And right? I, I understand. I understand. I, I, it's a fair question. But we said, you know, Cat Stevens, we, we have no, uh, we don't know of him having any ties to anything that's nefarious in any way. I, I love Cat Stevens when I was young, going to his uh, Peace Train. That was one of my favorite first single there. And yeah, Catch I love Bullet, that song, Catch, Wild World. Catch yeah. Bullet for a great, great record. And uh, I, 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 we, and we, and we loved uh, uh, doing the remake of Wild World as well. So we were defending Cat Stevens on that, on those grounds. And in America, there was a little noise about it, but not so much. Unknown to us in Indonesia, they were watching really closely that way. It's an Islamic nation. I think it's the largest Islamic nation. Uh, and they were watching us stick up for Cat Stevens. So we got there. They were, they were so happy. Somebody finally stuck up for them that we uh, <laughs> we were ingratiated with them very, very, very nicely. And they were wonderful people. I get more email and messages from Indonesia than anywhere in the world. And, uh, and we played places that no Western band had ever played. Uh, it was pretty amazing. The, the people on the streets watching the uh, our our little tour bus come in with our pictures on it. Right? You know, they, what is this? Right. We weren't expecting and, uh, that. But we're not like a you know, Mr. Big is on a wild ass crazy rock and roll drug fest by you know or and we're we're pretty 
we're working musicians. We're blue right. collar working those, musicians. Those days are long ago for rock and roll. Yeah, there's there's no, sh no shenanigans uh, with us. We have a great time, but it's nothing, nothing that would get us in trouble there. And Indonesia at one point did have a, a rule. I, th I believe they had a, a barber in the uh, airport. So if you showed up with long hair, get your hair cut or you go. Really? Oh, I so didn't know that. Pretty, pretty conservative. I remember one of the first times we played down there in the early 90s. They had to have a guy come talk with us and check what, what we're going to say over the microphone. And maybe you can't do this and you can't say that and you can't be running around. And, you know, you it's it's a they run a tight ship. Yeah, and I understand. That's their that's how they want to run their country. God bless right. them. That's, that's totally up so, to them. People don't realize how much freedom we have in our country to do all these things. They don't really realize it. You know, a lot of people talk down to that, but we won't go down that road. But you just, you know, you realize that when you hear this, right? You, you travel the world, you come home a patriot. And that's, uh, it's it's really true. Uh, and and I have many instances of that to, that I could go off on, but I won't at this time. It's non-political. I stay non-political generally. Uh, but uh, but Indonesia is a wonderful country. And they, 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 they came to us uh, and wanted us to play. So we decided to do it. So we're going to do that. Uh, and this, uh, and we're going to do a run in South America. We're going to do something in Europe with Mr. Big and probably some selected states and places in USA because we're we're just not in a position to go out and get on a bus and do you know 180 shows. Let's go, right? Uh, you know, because you know we're all uh, uh, we're all a bit older now. I can do it. I can do. I can go forever, but not everybody can. And this this is what happens when you get older, you know. So I'm I'm okay with that. So. It'll be great to see Eric and Paul again, and I've, I've met and spoken with Nick, the drummer, and he's just great, a great voice, amazing player, very Pat Torpy-ish in what he does. Uh, he's a, he mostly plays a lot of progressive stuff, but in but his straight-up rock chops are righteous, so not not unlike Pat Torpy, so uh, we, we're, we're looking forward to that very much. Excellent, excellent. I know a lot of folks are looking forward to seeing those shows. We actually reached out to some of our listeners here, and we have a few questions from our listeners we wanted to All ask right. you real quick, if you don't mind. We had some people email us and text us in, and uh, we had a couple of questions for you. So first up, we have Ryan from Buffalo. He texted, and he says okay. he's always been a big fan of the David Lee Roth era. Is there any video footage that may be floating around from them that mean we may still see someday? Do you have any ideas? I have a pro shot show. I don't know who else has it. I don't think Dave has it. I got it from one of the crew members and he doesn't even have it anymore. But I have a copy of a pro shot, uh, uh, Eat Him a Smile show. Oh. Audio is shaky, but I have bootlegs of that same audio also. So I'm gonna have my engineer try and sync things up. But I, it's not mine, so I can't put it out. Right, right, yeah, I, I respect uh, Dave, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's his show. So I respect that. So at some point, maybe I'll I'll toss it his way and see if he what he what he wants to do with it. Yeah, folks would still want to see it, I'm sure. So we had an email, another email here from Jim from Texas. He emailed and he he asked. He said, "Billy is such a versatile player. Does does he boil his strings? I know a lot of folks does, have done that in the day. I used to because uh, generally a set of roto sounds back in the day. What he's talking about is you take the strings off when you when you play them. They're generally they got a really bright. You can hear that." and they're really bright and, and they and they got all great tones to them. As you play, your skin wears off and gets in there and they become dead. And they also go out, they're not as in tune as well. So you take them off, coil them up, put them in boiling water. I used to put a drop or two of detergent in there too, just a drop so it doesn't foam all over the kitchen. And uh, 
take them out, dry them out, and they're almost brand new again. They break a little easier, but if you're not a really hard player, it's not not a thing. So uh, back in the day when I was broke driving around my 1977 Ford Pinto, uh, uh, with that had the wheel on the back, on the back uh, uh, right tire was when you buy it, used to buy a car in those days, they can't, there's like a fake uh, spare tire that in case you get a flat, it'll get you to the gas station, but you're right. not supposed to drive L- on it. Little donut, yeah. Yeah, not, not supposed to drive on it for more than like 20 or 30 miles. And right. I had that on for like a year and a half. And that was yeah. my back tire. So I was pretty broke. Uh, so uh, I used to boil my strings because I couldn't afford to buy it. And then one of my very, I think my very first NAM show, it's a trade show for musicians where all the companies that make things that are sold in music stores, guitars, amps, sheet music, strings, everything, they all show their gear, and then the music store people make tick, buy, do their orders for the year, what they yeah, want to buy. Yeah, and that's coming up soon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll take four Fender Strats and uh, six uh, Ibanez, uh, whatever. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, there's a friend of mine who's a lawyer who said, well, hey, let me t- I know a guy who wrote a song. Let me take you over there. And maybe you can get an endorsement deal, you know, with with a uh, for Rotosome. And I was just starting to. I had my picture in Guitar Player magazine, and Talos was starting to go really strong, and things were looking good. So, uh, but he said to me, "Be careful if you go over. Don't get disappointed because you know they're they're really tough. You know, I doubt if they're gonna. You know, you gotta. I might have to negotiate a little bit to get some kind of a like reduced price strings or." use your photo in exchange for like a, a was, low cost. This was before David Lee Roth time? Yeah, this is 82 or three. And uh, so I walked up to the booth and the owner rose up, Billy, come on in, we've been dying to meet you. Because I always said everywhere, I just wrote a sound all the time. So they were wonderful to me. And I became good friends with the family, the Howe family that, that uh, runs uh, Roto Sound. And they were kind enough to lay strings on me in exchange. And now I have my own signature set of different right. ages. So uh, yeah, I don't boil them anymore. But if you, if you, if, uh, and they strings are expensive. It would be tough to do it with guitar because they're just too thin, but bass strings, you can boil them and bring them back. Uh, sometimes you could take a rubbing alcohol on a cloth, or I would use a Old Spice or Brute because at least it, it, it would help make your bass smell better. And my cord is, uh, or my, my strap is permanently bolted on my show bases, so it gets soaking wet, put in the, in the case, shipped to the next gig. Come right. out again. So we'd have to hose that strap down with some old spice or brute. So putting that on the strings brings them back too. So instead of boiling, try some rubbing alcohol or aftershave. Not with any oil in it though. That's why old spice works good. It's the old man. It's the old man smell, I guess. Right. Right. Very interesting. Very <laughs> interesting. And one last thing, we had a text from Raymond from in Japan, and he texted. He said, "Mr. Big, with you, Eric and Paul, can't wait. Will there maybe be some new Mr. Big tracks possibly in the future?" They're talking about it. Uh, we talked about writing a couple of things and getting together. Uh, we're going to do uh, some rehearsals uh, before the show, and it'll probably turn into a little bit of a writing thing. I know Eric and Paul are prolific prolific writers. I write a lot as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I, we hope to. Uh, it's not a set in stone yet, but we hope to have some new stuff as well. And, again, it's going to be a farewell tour, so it'll be kind of like a, a way of uh, putting a – a period at the end of the sentence uh, saying thank you to uh, amazing fans. We just had 100 million views of To Be With You on YouTube, which is pretty darn good. 
That's so, outstanding. That's we're very grateful. And I would be remiss here if I didn't touch on these last few items with you. So let's quick talk about the issue of, of bands not playing live. We know mm -hmm. the winery dogs are 100% live. Maybe yes. some of these other shows should reflect that in their pricing or or in their initial uh, in their initial uh, advertisements, maybe, right? Just well, my thought on that anyways. I understand. Um, I am careful to not want to insult or disrespect bands that have to do what they got to do. Uh, I understand that. Uh, I would like them to be a little bit more open about it, but that's just me as a fan. Uh, for me, uh, there was a, there's a song on the new record called Mad World, and it's got a bass solo at the end, and uh, at the very outro. And when I recorded it, I just was flying. I wasn't thinking what I was doing. I just kind of going. I'm not, I don't plan out things like that. But right. then I had to learn it to play it on the tour. Now, I could have done a, an alternative solo or a new one or a different one each night, but I said, I want to do the one that's on the record. It took me about three days to figure out what in the world right. I did. Right, and but that's so, kind of what people are looking to hear, right? Or something yeah. similar, right? So there's this one move. But it's done with the double uh, hammer thing, and it's way up high on the neck and the thickest strength. And it was, and uh, I don't know how I did it when I recorded it, and I didn't know the fingering that I did. So it took me days to figure that out, but I did. So the message there is, yeah, it's not going to be easy to just step up to the mic and sing the album or for the guitar player or bass player or drummer to sit down and play exactly what it is on the record, but you got to work at it. It, right. it, it was, I went to a great voice coach. His name is Ron Anderson. He's since passed away. And uh, when Bono would blow his voice out on a U2 tour, they'd fly Ron Anderson in to fix him. He was the grandmaster. Ozzy, Axel, Bjork, Tori Amos, every, everybody. Uh, he, he was the man. And I went to him, and it's not cheap at all. But I said, hey, I'm singing. I got up. As I'm getting older, uh, a lot of singers' range drops. Right. They can't hit the notes. They got to start lowering the key of the song. So pretty soon it doesn't even sound like the song. And then pretty soon they can't sing it at all. Right. A lot of them have made comments and they said, well, why did I do that stuff in my early days? Because I really can't. Why did I not leave myself exactly. any room? Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> but, but it's possible. Richie Cotson, we did four in a row on this tour. He's singing to the stratosphere. Never blew his voice out. If you know how, if you know what you're doing, you go to somebody like Ron Anderson and they can show you how to do it. And I gained uh, two steps on two whole steps in the musical range of my natural voice. And even now, I and I never blow up my voice anymore because you know where, how to how to do it. There's a there's a thing that you do, and if you learn how to do it, it's it's possible to get it. Richie went to him as well, and his voice he, I, he's right on. I hear him warming up, hitting every note he has to hit. Uh, and myself, uh, way, way better. I mean, I always had, you have a range where you push really hard, you can get up those high notes, but after a while, you can't, just can't do it anymore. It just goes away. So this is a way of not having to push really hard and get those same notes. So again, back to our original subject, it's possible. You get a great voice coach and work at it and warm up every day. I remember we, we toured with Aerosmith with Mr. Big on the Get a Grip tour in Europe, the whole European tour with them. Every day, Steven Tyler would get in his room, start doing vocal warm-ups about noon, all day, run the stairs of the auditorium to exercise, go back, warm up some more, 
hit the stage, hit every note, nailed it. There was no fakery on that tour at all. It was all real. They, he come down the stairs from the stage, they wrap him in the blanket, put him on the tour bus and repeat. And he hit his notes every single night. So if you work hard at it, it can be done. So uh, I, I would implore the bands that opt to take the easy way out, maybe to try pushing harder. Um, on this tour, I, sh I, I uh, posted a, a picture of my hand and it was torn to shreds. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> Fingers were torn. And I love that. People say, oh, it's so bad, it must be bad. No, no, that's what we want. I want a torn to shreds. That's good. That's good. I'm going for that. Because you're, the, the calluses in your hands determine the tone on your bass, and the notes are now pointed, and they have a distinctive beginning and end. And it's, it's, but, but it hurts, and it takes a lot of work. Uh, so uh, I think sometimes you got to do that. So I'm, I'm against uh, ever. The only bands I've ever had tracks on were I played with a band called The Bees in Japan huge band they sold more records than madonna and they only play in japan giant eighty thousand, hundred thousand seat soccer stadiums ever show sold out not a not an empty seat in the entire coliseum or whatever it was uh but they they had tracks but they had like uh, horn sections and string sections on some other songs so in order but they weren't faking singing or faking guitar playing or faking anything else there were real drums real keys Real bass, real guitar, real vocals, real harmony. But they they had tracks with their other things with them. That's the only time I've done that. And I did a tour with Tony McAlpine and Virgil Donati, just guitar, bass, drums. And they had just done a record with a lot of orchestration. So Virgil would hit the start button and you'd hear the uh, whatever strings or... Yeah, uh, and that's perfectly acceptable. And yeah, that's understand cool. that. I was, I was yep, so here we're back. Sorry about that, folks. We had a little glitch yeah. there, but Billy was just <laughs> talking about the... Uh, the live situation, situation, and, and orchestras and things like that. Uh, that that people obviously, you know, we want to see live bands. And you were saying there's yeah. a lot of comments online about this. Yeah, and uh, and again, people mix up using the orchestra part that you can't bring a you know sixty piece orchestra with you uh, for for uh, accompaniment. But to to but uh, to fake be fake that you're playing bass, fake that you're playing guitar fake that you're singing right we've we've uh, seen that outlined a lot lately on the internet unfortunately and let's let's hope we don't continue to see that i mean uh it's it's kind of sad that that's yeah and there, and there is one little trick that i heard about that i thought was quite brilliant uh it was a boy band a friend of mine knew a guy that played in one of the boy bands i forgot which one it was what some one of the huge giant boy bands and they have for their vocal microphone it's off. So as their mouthing, the recorded vocal tracks are there. So to make it look real, when you speak, this, the sound of your voice opens up a switch. And you when you speak into the mic, that mic suddenly becomes live. So oh, the they, got, they got a little trick going on there. Pretty good, pretty good. He <laughs> said when he saw it, he goes, he couldn't leave. Because they're, they're, they're dancing and they're doing, because the dude dancing like that and saying is generally pretty, not impossible, but... Again, Very difficult. You're going to be out of breath. You're going to hear that you're out of breath. So they'd be mouthing and going, is that right, Chicago? You know, right. so, ah, pretty, pretty tricky. <laughs> yeah, it's hard for those bands. I know for the pop, we know the pop bands have been doing it for a long yeah. time. Lots of and lots of artists have the show on hard drive if they need it. If if it happens that something happens and they need it, you know, we've we've, yeah, we've heard that be. from a lot of pop groups, but and there are some technical uh, when when Whitney Houston did the. Uh, 
Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl, one of the greatest Star Spangled Banner uh, performances in, in modern times, of course, with the Jets flew over. I think it was right after the Iraq War, something something significant politically happening where her being there singing the Star Spangled Banner was just an amazing moment. Found out later that it was recorded. Now, to get a microphone in the middle of a stage of, a, of an auditorium with wind blowing and guys, and it had, probably would have to be wireless too, I don't know. Right. Which is always a liability, a wireless can cut out. To take all those chances on national TV, I understand. They right. went and cut it in the studio and she and lip synced it. That's Whitney though, I don't care. And she can sing, you know, she can sing the phone book and it's, it's amazing. So <laughs> but things like that, sometimes you have to give a pass for and it's taken on a case by case basis. But faking right. that you're playing. Right. I think we're just talking about when you're when you're paying money for a concert ticket and you're expecting to see a live performance by whoever and it's billed as a live performance, right? And it's yeah. and it's really we're finding out time and time again as fans, sometimes it's really not, you know. Yeah, and, well, so, I, can, I can assure you, I won't ever be a part of a situation that does that. If I can't sing it or play it, or the guys in my band can't sing it or play it, uh, we'll either we'll either hire extra guys or 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 pack it in. Right, and I've talked to a couple other artists about the same thing. You know, if you're staying too long at the party, you should rethink it. Right, for sure. I agree. But you know, we really hope to see some shows, obviously, in the West New York area from the Winery Dogs. We hope some of the folks out there, some of the uh, Promoters reach out to you guys and get some deals cut because we are all waiting to see that, you know. And we also hope, obviously, you'll revisit, you know, Talus version two again someday locally with Mark and Kira here in Western New York. And yeah, maybe, we're hoping to. And maybe even tap some local talent for vocals for those shows and see that. That would be great. Yeah, we're, uh, we certainly have that on the back burner now because I got busy this year with the Winery Dogs and Mr. Big, but that's, I, uh, the response to that record was unbelievable. We charted on Billboard with it, uh, unreal. And uh, and the great thing about that is that that's a tribute to Phil Nero. We lost him, of course, as you know. And uh, initially, I just wanted to do the record because we had these songs left over and never recorded them properly. But it turned into a tribute to a truly great man who stepped up to the plate uh, under impossible uh, condition to know that you're in trouble with your health and get up to the microphone and deliver what he did on that record. As I may have described to you before, we didn't know. We knew he had some problems. We didn't know how bad it was. And he got up. Right. That's what Mark was kind of telling me when I said his house, we were doing the interview there with him and Kira, thought, yeah. you know, at, at the house where you guys recorded and stuff. And yeah, yeah, you guys really had no idea. He was in a, a separate vocal booth doing a lot of the, the vocals, I think, in Toronto at the time doing yep. that as you guys were mixing things but yeah it's just outstanding i mean you go back to that and you go back to some of the earlier footage right when you guys played it at the barnyard the bands at the yeah. barnyard, and um that was it was just great both of those both of those performances yeah, he was uh, just a powerhouse and a sweet wonderful guy not a molecule of lead singer's disease with him at all. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. He was a great, he's so easy to work with. And, I, so I, and I was really astonished. I was talking to Mark last week. I was astonished to hear that he's not in either the Buffalo Music Hall of Fame or the Rochester Music Hall of Fame. I think that's ridiculous. I think, uh, yeah, he deserves a spot in in all, I think, quite quite frankly. 
Yeah, what, what a wonderful guy, a great family. His mom his mom and brother were visiting Nashville and I had him over to the house here to say hello. And we ordered some Nashville barbecue and hung out with his mom, who doesn't speak much English. Unfortunately, my wife was out of town. I was hoping she could have been here to they could go at it in Italian together, you know. Right. So a little bit better for her. But she's, she's a good help now and everything else is good. And I'm just uh, very uh, glad that we got this record out as a tribute to Phil Nero's voice, career, his songwriting, his performance. And uh, so hopefully we'll be able to do something live to to put a, a stamp of approval on the whole situation. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, Billy, always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for catching us up. We really appreciate it. You guys can check out the new Winery Dogs 3 album out now and see if you can catch these guys on tour. They got new dates coming out. Mr. Big Tour coming up and uh, – Maybe in the future we'll get some uh, talent states we can talk about, too. So that would be great. Love that. Yeah, great. Well, it's great to see you again. Uh, my best to all your listeners and watchers out there. And uh, on social media, I'm available uh, all the time. People have questions or comments they'd like to make. I, I read everything. It's a Herculean task. <laughs> I can imagine. But a lot of times on the road, you know, we're, we're, we're on a tour bus and everybody's like this and go, what did we do before we had all these phones and everything in the internet right I, I actually i know the answer to that but i don't want to say <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so i i do enjoy hearing from people though and i've made some incredible friends online as a result and they're the best people around and they've supported things i've done and and good good uh, uh communication with a lot of people uh, all over the world so it's, it's really the the good side of the internet when you can when you can be in touch with so many ones. yeah oh and then the one thing i forgot to ask you about someone was asking about it last week you had talked about a book at some point maybe that you're thinking about is it still maybe in the works yeah uh i have to wait for a few more people to pass away so uh no, i'm kidding <laughs> so, but uh yeah there's and, and uh it would be um Long, it's not just about rock and music. I mean, I grew up at a time that's different than now. And right. I think people would be interested to see, you know, what life was like for kids growing up, uh, catching frogs and tadpoles and riding your bikes off the railroad trestle and uh, pogeying on cars and right. holding on to the bumper and all the yep. crazy things we did at Halloween and all the shenanigans we did. Uh, and uh, growing up with uh, our minor birds, our geese, our dogs, our Newfoundlands, our lizards, our snakes, our toads, our frogs, all that stuff that we got into and did. And it'll be uh, kind of interesting because uh, uh, Buffalo, Western New York, the neighborhood I grew up in, was amazing. It was jammed with kids and so many things going on. And uh, Right. It, That's it, how it was in the day. We were yeah. all sitting on our phone or on the Internet. We were outside doing things. Yeah, pretty pretty great. And then and that'll morph into, you know, getting into music and the music biz and all the things that went on. And there's a lot of stories. Well, a lot of stories I won't tell uh, because they're a little off color and I'd like the book for, to be for everyone. But there's a, still a lot of great hilarious, funny adventures that we've had that uh, you can, if your grandmother's in the room, you can tell the story. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to that. We hope we hope to see that from you soon. And uh, thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. Really appreciate it. Again, thank you, Billy Sheen, for joining us today. Until our next episode, we're always here keeping the torch alive, folks. You can always tune in, check out our interviews. Billy, again, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. We'll talk again soon. Yep. Have a good night.